Thanksgiving. I didn't even realize that. Like, we're trying to find boarding for uh, our dog. I can't go to my my parents' place, and uh, I thought we had more time. And it turns out it's uh, it's this Thursday, as as you all know. It also means Christmas season is coming up really quick. Are you all ready for a Christmas season with no peak season? Well, I've got a machine gun for you. Ho ho ho! Take a look here. Trucking heads have kicked the can further into 2024. That's right. This is a headline on FreightWaves.com. Tons of good ones. By the way, y'all, can I get my clock wound? Thank you. Todd Main reports truckload carriers and 3PLs have seen little change in demand halfway through the fourth quarter, and some are pointing deeper into 2024 before this market corrects. Freight broker Landstar Systems said the market is a little softer than it was at the end of October when it reported its third quarter earnings and provided fourth quarter guidance. The company said it didn't expect a peak season at all this year. Jim Gatoni, he's Landstar's president and CEO, he says there's no excitement out there, whether it's the parcel carriers, the shippers or anybody who thinks this thing is going to turn around soon. He doesn't see spot rates stepping up material either. Take a look at this chart over here. Um, he says they're not going to move up until next year. He said uh, it usually takes better demand versus capacity attrition to move the market. Turnover among Landstar's business capacity owners, a proxy for truck capacity, is 39% this year, which is in line with the 36% rate recorded during the 2019 downturn. That was called the bloodbath. Rates right now, they're down to G. 155. This is line hole only. This is not including fuel. But if you look back a year ago, they're at $1.69. So inflation up a ton, compounding, going crazy, owner-operator costs going up, and these numbers are getting squeezed. Economists sit around and they go, geez, why are people so shocked by these inflation numbers? They're stemming. You know why people are shocked? I will tell you why people are shocked by the inflation numbers, because the reality that something that you already think is expensive is the cheapest it's ever going to be today, and it's only going to cost a hell of a lot more tomorrow, is really weighing on the consumer. Economists, go to Publix, go buy something. All right, he says, he goes on to say, this is Gatoni, he goes, we're continuing to pull down, but I think by the time we get to 2024, maybe midsummer, we'll start seeing regular seasonal patterns again. We can only hope, this is what outbound tender rejects look like right now. They are tepid as hell at 3.7. Jeez, it's been just a long year of rejects not moving. And that's uh, all that big sea of capacity. I know that Gatoni said some of that is bleeding out, but we still have an issue here. Management from, uh, from uh, truckload carry Warner Enterprises noted a fairly muted peak season. It said volumes have been steady to slightly better than last year's peak, but pricing has been weaker. Again, there's too many trucks, and it's resulting in lower revenue year over year and those lower spot rates. There is some good news, though. Multimodal provider J.B. Hunt Transportation Services provided a more upbeat tone, at least for the intermodal segment. The company has been seeing record intermodal volumes in its network in recent weeks, noting the unit is normally the one that first sees a turn when exiting a recession. Shelly Simpson, the great Shelly Simpson, she says, our customers don't see a significant downturn. I think they feel okay about 2024. I think our customers are in a more neutral, slightly positive position. Schneider Natural, Schneider, Schneider National has also um, seen some positive intermodal terms. But when you look at what CNBC, when they've gone out and pulled logistics companies, CNBC says logistics companies do not expect a surge in demand during the peak holiday shipping season. Um, that's according to their supply chain survey. They said the U.S. economy is approaching 
spending and inflection point in consumer spending. That's via C.H. Robinson and across thousands of retailers. Big Boss Giant Target told CNBC last week it's seeing shoppers cutting back on even groceries. Look, that's where we get hit the hardest. If you got a couple of kids, you go grocery shopping. It's freaking brutal out there. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And uh, within the market specifically, trucking firms are operating under conditions that resemble a severe recession. Hey, I hope they're right that uh, I hope Landstar is right. Summer turnaround at this point, we'll take it. We will take it. By the way, you ever get a uh, you ever get a get a text from your boss asking you to get some gift cards? You know, you get that little text say, "Hey, Timothy." That's how I know it's always not Craig, because why would he ever call me Timothy? He just doesn't. That doesn't happen. He's not my mother. Uh, and he's, But you guys got these funny. I got one of these just the other day. I get them all the time. And it says, hi, Timothy. I'm on a conference call meeting right now. Can't talk on the phone, but let me know if you receive my text. Thanks, Craig Fuller. And I say, sup, see money. What do you need? And I know this guy's trying to scam me. So it's time to rope a dope and waste this guy's time because I had some time to waste. He said, I have an urgent task for you to carry out. Are you available? I said, yeah, what's up? He says, okay, I'm on a conference call right now and I need to provide a client with some gift cards. Can you confirm if you can get some Apple gift cards from the nearest store? Of course I can. Of course I can, scammer. So I sent him my Arby's gift cards first. I had some $10 ones lying around. He wasn't interested. He said, these will not work. He needs only Apple gift cards. And I said, I thought you'd said Tim Cook was the Antichrist. He goes, okay, let me know once you get there so I can confirm the nominations of purchase. So I want to make this guy wait around. Say, so, you know, hang tight, 10, 15 minutes. I'll get back to you. Uh, Justin, in the meantime, sends me his Applebee's gift card. He's like, yo, hit him with this thing. So I sent him the Applebee's card. And I was like, if I buy five of these, I get a free gift card. That's a steal. Should I do these guy gets pissed no this is applebee's <laughs> i'm like yeah i know but the freight market sucks right now man people could use some food he says i need the apple gift cards you know knock it off so i sent him a zin code i don't know if you redeem the reward points he wanted a uh, five two hundred dollar gift cards i actually pulled the community to ask you guys if you've been scammed by one of these people before and unfortunately 11 and a half percent of you said that you were You've gotten these things. You went out, you got the gift cards. It usually happens to new employees. They don't have a relationship with the CEO. Maybe a little bit too afraid. A lot of scams going out there. Uh, Keith Pace says, I was a GM at Best Buy years back, and this young intern came in with her personal credit card and email from the CEO directly to buy Amazon gift cards. She was so scared she was going to get fired if she didn't buy them. Proud of my team for stepping in and saving her. Stephen Bertinelli says, two to three times a month, our founder is looking for Apple gift cards. Joseph DeLucy, he works for Target. He's their supply chain manager. He goes, my CEO reached out with the same thing. I asked her, why would we be buying Apple gift cards when we work for Target? <laughs> Good point, right? And then uh, Dustin Chauncey said, this is awesome. I love messing with these scammers. Had one on the hook for hours, just string them along. You killed it with the Zin code. Um, all right, man. One last thing here. Chattanooga F3, you guys all came out. It's pretty awesome. A team I love to celebrate is the Chattanooga Lookouts. And look, look at the scenic city here. Look at where F3 took place. And look at these beautiful new Chattanooga Lookouts jerseys. The only sad thing is I wish they dropped these a week ago. So all of you that were out here could have gone down to the pro shop, could have put one of these on you. My buddy over there at Field Fastener, <laughs> he, uh, he showed up at uh, the TI concert and he had just stopped at the Lookouts Pro Shop. So he had like all the fresh gear on. He had like the fresh shirt. He had a fresh pair of shorts. He had a fresh hat with a straight brim. He kind of looked like an undercover cop. I was like, dude, <laughs> are, you, uh, are you a narc over here? But look at those. Fire as hell. When you come out to F3 next year, you got to get yourself some of these. But we have an awesome show today. We're talking about the holiday season with no peak season. I already did that. Did you hear there was a puppy playpen at F3 and someone paid for all of the dog's adoption fees? Sean Laylicker from Loyalty Logistics is here to talk about how he liberated those puppies. What's good at Loyalty Logistics? He might even teach us how to make some Thanksgiving mocktails. Holidays are coming up. If you're like me, you don't drink, you might want an alternative. 
he used to bartend a little bit, so maybe he has some suggestions. Tracks is Joe Stevens and Kevin O'Brien. They're talking about how they're paying carers 7.5% more on average. Sounds good in this market. We'll have to find out how that works. GLS, GLCS, Nate Johnson shares strategies on navigating contentious carrier and broker relationships. Truck sales gal Campbell Andreas and her husband, Paula Andrews, who came up with all the tech behind this. She teaches us how their truck sales work, how they increase mileage, and what the science is behind them. Plus, we have how not to tow a trailer, some holiday gift ideas, Vegas F1 chaos, and a lot more. So let's tip the band. We'll get to the first guest here. Traxit is revolutionizing the trucking brokerage industry. Traxit increases carrier pay while reducing shipping costs. Traxit pays carriers in two days or less. Traxit provides paperless BOL, POD, and payment. Ship for less. Drive for more with Traxit.com. But right now, we got to talk to Sean Laylicker. He's a managing director and co-founder over at Loyalty Logistics. Sean, what is up, man? I love the backdrop. Hey, good morning, Tim. How are you? We're doing good. We're doing good over here. Where are you sitting? What part of the world are you at? You're a Chicago guy, aren't you? No, actually. So uh, a little interesting there, but yeah, we're based out of Montreal, Quebec, Canada. So uh-huh. pretty much run the show from here. My main operating partner um, handles our assets out of uh, Illinois. Oh, that's right. You told me to come out there and see a Canadians game with a Bruins sweater on and get my ass kicked. A hundred percent. But you know, I'll be your personal security detail as well. <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, man, F3 was a great event. Let, let's start there. That's where we met and ran into each other. All the people there, they, you know, as much attention as people like me or you may have got, nobody got more attention than these dogs right here. Roll that little clip. These puppies were fantastic. Some people online like, why would you put like puppies at this thing? And I said, you know what? It's not just like to attract people over to it. It wasn't even like a, a branded booth. What it was is a lot of people from Chattanooga or the Southeast are coming out to this event and they can provide these dogs home. You have a 1,200, 1,500 prospects to bring home dogs, but you thought they may not have been moving fast enough, so you did something really special. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, this. Um, so this was the first event for myself, to be honest. Kind of, I've been so focused uh, since the creation of this company, just, you know, working my ass off every day. Um, it was a nice opportunity to come and, you know, obviously mingle and, and mix with a lot of um uh, professionals, obviously, including yourself. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, I've got two dogs at home. I mean, this is probably one of the most stressful industries. And I mean, if you just add on the current recession and the market rates and everything that's going on at this point, um, I mean, these dogs bring joy to us. Uh, maybe I was nostalgic missing my dogs at the point. Um, but, you know, I come from humble beginnings. I mean, I, uh, you know, we created this company on pennies, um, you know, and now we're this, you know, large kind of multinational company at this point. Um, there was a soft spot there. And to be honest, I mean, you know, Tim, I, I, I did this, you know, without looking for likes or, you know, uh, social media attention. I'm very oh, no. blessed that obviously you, you track me down and, and you know, you, you spread the good word. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was just something that came from the bottom of my heart, you know, and I just, uh, regardless if those puppies were go- going anywhere, I just... $300 per dog, very fair, especially with everything that comes with it. But I figured, you know what, if I'm in a position to pay it forward um, and hopefully find these little guys at home, you know, why not? Yeah, I know. You didn't put this out there. What happened was in our Slack, someone mentioned that someone had paid all the dog adoption fees. And uh, I, my, I put my investigative journalist hat on and I'm like, I have to dox whoever did this and I got to put some light on it. So I'm the reason I like I brought attention. You didn't ask to have this attention brought on you. I thought it was sick. I thought it was awesome. That's why I started talking. That's why I invited you on the show. And hey, good deeds do bring good karma because it makes you seem like an awesome person. Now we're going to get to loyalty in a second. However, Thanksgiving is coming up. You used to be an instructor at bartending. 
I don't drink, but I'd like to make some mocktails. What you got one or two for me? I can I can start pouring. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm like you. I'm a little bit vocal on that path as well. I mean, it's uh, it's going on nineteen months. I haven't touched a sip, and I don't look Congratulations. back. Congratulations! Uh, How about for nineteen? Thank you. And I mean, especially in this industry, I mean, we got to find our uh, vices, you know, to just manage the day-to-day stress. But, uh, you know, so far, so good. Just kind of living one day at a time. Um, but yeah, I mean, mocktails are, are definitely kind of a, a, a must, right? I mean, um, just trying to reprogram my brain to do logistics, you know, uh, customer meetings, carrier meetings without, you know, having that alcohol, that common connector was has been hard. So, I think, like I said, if I got to give you two quick tips, uh, you know, one is, I mean, we all know uh, Moscow Mules. Uh, There's actually a really great non-alcoholic option there. Uh, Really not hard. Lime juice, uh, ginger beer, a little bit of club soda to cut back on the the sugar content side of things. Uh, Simple syrup with, you know, if you like to garnish it with a mint, um, it's great. I mean, it's a great uh, recipe. Uh, to be honest, I do it because you just don't even feel like you're drinking a non-alcoholic be- beverage. You feel like you're in that social interaction that alcohol did bring. Um, I mean, that's always kind of a, a quick thing. That's a great point. You know, I used to, for a long time, when I when I first stopped drinking, I didn't want to even touch, like, non-alcoholic beer and, and not mocktails. But now that I'm more mature in, like, my recovery, like, for example, there was a, there was a time where I was like, you know, it was a really hot summer day. Everyone's sort of drinking beers. And I was like, man, I really wish, like, I, I missed the flavor. And then it dawned on me. There's non-alcoholic beer out there. So, like, I got some, and it's great at those social events. It was great at F3. I was so glad at TI we stocked um, local non-alcoholic beers. And, like, there's almost like a psychological trick. It, like, it like kind of, like, puts you in another space. But then you don't have to worry about saying anything too stupid as the night goes on. Exactly. And honestly, uh, you know, I was I was like you. I mean, in my path to recovery, I mean, at first it was like, you know, don't touch those non-alcoholic drinks. But I mean, I've, I've learned to incorporate them into my business relations. Right. Like, do I say at the end of the day, I go home and, you know, make myself a mocktail? No. But if I'm in a social setting and, you know, alcohol is being around me, then, yeah, I definitely go for that quick mocktail aspect of things. And I mean, I'm not, uh, you know. I'm trying not to instill the same principles in my company. You know what I mean? If my staff wants to drink, go for it. But just remember, I'm going to remember everything that transpires that evening, you know, the next morning. Right. So that is that's the one danger of us of us sober people at the party. I, I try to leave a little early to let the other people have some fun. Plus, like, I like my sleep. I'm like Tom Brady. I like to go to bed. at Well, I like I'd like to go to bed yeah. at 8 p.m. I, I don't go to bed at 8 p.m. But I would. I, would, well, I mean, I saw your TED, I saw your TEDx after we connected. I mean, we tried to connect a couple times, and I saw your TEDx speech, and I was just kind of blown away that like, okay, here's you got this podcaster guy. He's made his way, and now it's actually associated to you know your your choice of sobriety, whatever that may be. Right? I was just mind blown. Um, and I really kind of like accredit a lot of the success of this company and our company to my sobriety. Um, but again, you know, I mean, to each their own. And, um, you know, that's just the first one. I mean, the second one, I don't know, are you familiar, you know, in your heydays, did you ever try an alcohol called Cuarente Tres 43 uh, in Mexico? It's like a, a digestive alcohol. No, I didn't. I, I had too much of that, like um, the like the 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 Bacardi one fifty one and and those kind of things, man. The the, the gut burn. Well, I mean, this one's a, a perfect. It's super simple. You can pretty much get it anywhere, and it's great because you get a mix of uh, caffeine and the sugar that obviously you know helps us be a little bit more comfortable in our skin. 
Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really simple. Uh, take a shot of espresso, add a little bit of grenadine inside of that, shake it, pour it on the rocks. Um, it's phenomenal. I love it. That's my that's my go-to, to be perfectly honest with you, because, again, you get that, that perk of energy with the caffeine as well. Just don't have too many if you appreciate your sleep. Sean, you have um, you've already shown that you're a great person. And I always tell people that's the that's the best way you can show off your company here. But what does loyalty do? Well, loyalty, I mean, that's a that's a pretty wide spectrum uh, question. So essentially, <laughs> you know, we are retail. We're um, a logistics company. We have offices, USA, Canada, Mexico. Um, you know, we've kind of kept our head down uh, since our creation, since February of 2017. Um, but at the beginning of this year, we finally decided to kind of, you know, stop following the path of our predecessors and try to really kind of um, come out to our own. So, I mean, if you go to our websites, our social medias, our hats, everything, I mean, we've literally just removed that word logistics. Um, I think kind of really, honestly, at the end of the day, Tim, what makes us different is the culture. Um, yeah. You know, the fact is, is I and my partners um, have made a lot of crazy uh, gambles in the last six and a half years at this point. Some paid off, some didn't. But, you know, we learned from our mistakes and we we bettered ourselves. Um, at the end of the day, like I said, I mean, we've prioritized the staff. You know, we have a 94% employee retention rate. Um, and I pride that on the fact that, you know, we're only as strong as our weakest link. So if you're an intern to senior management in this company, there's an open line of communication with, our, with you know, myself. Um, I never opened a company to become a boss, right? Uh, I'd rather be in the front lines with my staff. So I think, honestly, it's the fact that we've created such a sense of culture um, and family inside of uh, here. Uh, you know, the, uh, we're representing. Well, I was going to ask you, what, what's, the, what's the biggest problem you're, you're facing or solving right now? Um, the biggest problem that we're facing right now is just trying to get the word out to be perfectly oh. honest with you. Obviously, you saw the market, right? Right now, everybody and their mother is is bleeding at this point. Um, there's a lot of uh, fires, layoffs, bankruptcies that are happening at this point. Um, so what also does that mean is that sales departments are getting a, a ridiculous amount to you know, go find new customers and replace that revenues that they lost, right? So I've actually had this opportunity to speak to many logistics managers over the course of the last month yeah, and I was, I thought I was being reasonable when I was saying logistics managers were getting pitched 15 to 20 times a week for the same service, right? You put one logistics company next to another, at the end of the day, we offer very similar services, but what separates us from the rest of the pack is, you know, the attention to detail, the service, the, the fact that we're bringing heart to our customers and their shipments. But um, as I said, I mean, I found out just kind of doing my own independent studies. I mean, logistics managers are being solicited upwards of 100 plus times per week right now offering you know logistic solutions um you know people don't want to be sold nobody ever wants to be sold right at the end of the day um it's just they're being inundated they're being attacked digitally by emails by cold calls at this point so that's really kind of the biggest hurdle that we're trying to face right now is you know how do we stand out in such a vast sales force that is so aggressive right now and rightfully so right because everybody has families to feed and 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 you know miles to put in their trucks so that's our biggest hurdle right now is how do we cut through how do we define ourselves you know not just as a any other logistics company or you know a rate focused logistics company because at the end of the day like i said we're not the cheapest brokers on yeah. the market but you know we we offer 
you know, you got to offer good service. Yeah. Well, you've already you've already kind of solved one of your problems, getting the word out there. You came on what the truck today. I think you've made a tremendous impression with your your puppies and your sharing of mocktails and telling us a little what you do. But now we got to put a bow on this because we're out of time. Where do people go to find you, learn more and continue this conversation off air with you? Well, I mean, obviously, you can track me down on LinkedIn. Um, I'm always available. I'm trying to get a little bit more active there and, and try to, you know, have some constructive conversations about people in the industry and see what we can do. Um, outside of that, I mean, LoyaltyLogisticsLLC.com. That's our current domain name. Um, my cell phone is literally always on, uh, unfortunately. Uh, it's for my staff, but again, I'd love to talk to anybody and everybody at this point and just kind of bounce ideas off and see what we can do. Well, hey, thank you, Sean. Thank you so much for uh, for hooking everyone up with those dogs at F3, for the work you do, and for sharing a little bit of your story. We'll have to have you back on soon. Take care, my friend. Have a great Thanksgiving. Tim, I appreciate it as well to you, sir. Take care. All right. Speaking of Thanksgiving, you might be pulling a trailer. You might be renting a U-Haul. Maybe you're going long distance. So meanwhile, here's a little PSA for you. This was put out by U-Haul. And this, do we have volume? Just put out by U-Haul. Yeah. Come on, we gotta have the, uh, what do you call it, xylophone? Is that what he's hitting right there? Is that where you take the two little sticks and you, that's a xylophone, right? It's got the colory panels. Anyways, U-Haul made this safe, safe trailer training video. It says the demonstration shows how a car remains in control with at least 60% of the weight toward the front of the trailer. As soon as more weight is distributed toward the back, the car loses control. Above the rest said U-Haul should require everyone to watch this demonstration before renting a trailer. I'd agree with that. A little safety training goes a long way. It's crazy what they let some of you like RVers and U-Haul pullers do. But um, this is a big one. And then Namor says, absolutely, proper weight distribution is crucial when towing a trailer. Having at least 60% of the load at the front helps maintain stability and control the vehicle. Without proper distribution, the trailer may sway, leading to a potential accidents and loss of control. It's essential to adhere to recommended guidelines for safe towing and ensure that the weight is balanced properly for smoother and safer driving experience. Well said. Well said. Speaking to two well-spoken men right now, Kevin O'Brien, Joe Stevens, trucks it. What's up, boys? Tim, how are you? Good morning, dear. So, Joe, have I asked you this before? Where did the name come from? So it's Am I on kind of a speaker, a, by the way? Am I playing board, in the room? Well, like truck it. Uh, yeah. That that actually was taken, so we just kind of Frenchalized it, if you will, and we call it trucks it. Interesting. Well, I remember it. I remember it. I, at first, I was like trucks it, and they're like, no, no, it's trucks it. And now it's one of those things. It's kind of like Rakuten. Like, our, isn't that Rakuten? Like, they had that a great ad like five years ago where they'd have people come up to this kiosk in New York, and they would say, "How do you pronounce the name?" And like everyone get it wrong, and at the end it would be like, it would be like Rakuten. I don't know. It was great. I thought it was so cool. Well, Joe, what do you, what do you do? Like, what what is your mission? Like, why why did you create the company? So at the core of what we do, Tim, is is really empowerment for the owner operator, um, you know, allowing them to take control of their own business. As a former owner operator myself, one of the frustrations that I faced was the ability for load acceptance, load deliveries, communication, revenue building, uh, connector shipments. Trucks it in its purest form and at the core of what we do is empowering the owner operator to take control of their business and being able to do it smartly, efficiently, and with some other divisions that are created as well to enhance their overall portfolio of what they do on a daily basis. Interesting. Okay, Kevin, let's dive deeper. How does it work? Or what are the benefits? Oh, we got Kevin on mute. Kevin on mute. There we go. There we go. You're back. Oh, the world. 
Can you there you are. Them? You're on. There you are. You're on. All right. So <clears throat> really what we've done here is we've brought the brokerage industry into the 21st century uh, by utilizing the Trucks Adapt platform. So anything and everything that you can think of that a brokerage provides, we're providing in the form uh, of, of an app, the Trucks Adapt. So it's literally connecting uh, the shipper to the carrier um, and reducing the cost uh, by reducing the overhead, literally. Um, so, you know, we, we don't have a, a traditional sales team. Um, we provide payments in two days or less using trucks at cash. We provide all of the tracking mechanisms that you would find from brokerage. We've got 24 seven uh, chat available for any needs. Um, so that the, the whole process was set up so that if you're somewhere nowhere and somebody you know cancels a load or you need a connector load, you can hop on the app and find a load, um, book that load, do everything paperless, get paid paperlessly, um, and, and just roll. So it, it just simplifies the entire process. We're just using 21st century technology to replace the traditional brokerage. And the, the benefits of that are that um, we're reducing shipping costs because of the overhead reduction and we're increasing carrier pay. We're literally paying back the owner operator, the folks that move the planet. We're paying them seven and a half percent more on average simply by utilizing the platform to simplify the process. Make sense? Yeah, I, I saw that bullet saw on your website. On your website. Oh, wait, you're playing me out loud. Can you can you mute him while I'm talking? Thank you. Like, yeah, for some reason, your speaker is on. So I'll direct this at Joe. Joe, you're paying carriers 7.5% more. And I already said, big bullet points on your site. We're reducing costs. How are you guys accomplishing that? That sounds pretty good in a market like this. So it's actually going direct as opposed to non-direct. Uh, and it allows us to have that 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 cushion, if you will, uh, where, where traditional pro brokerage platforms don't allow that. And if we can go direct, when we go direct, it, it eliminates that overhead cost uh, and, and extra fluff in the, in, in the uh, revenue to the, to the driver. Interesting. Interesting. So was, was this hard to, to get to? Like, what kind of feedback are you getting now? Um, Kevin, well, what, what are people saying about these reductions? Saying? Are, are you seeing this happen like in real time, in the real world, even in a down market like right now? Again, the, the whole concept was to utilize the platform to drive that cost down for the shipper and pay the owner-operator more, right? So right now, we're in registration mode. Um, we've got, uh, we're approaching 1,000 registrants on the system. Once we get to about 12,000, we'll be able, be able to push the button, push the go button, right? Um, but the, the process is completely set up. We're literally using FreightWaves um, uh, information and analytics to drive the pricing that we're talking about. So this is real world. Um, we're, <laughs> we've taken the brokerage that was making 30 to 35%, taking 30 to 35% of the revenue from the load, right? From the owner operator and dropping that to 15 to 20%, um, which is, you know, it gives us the ability to take that extra 15% and split it back between the owner operator and the shipper. So it's literally driving costs down for the shipper and increasing revenue for the owner operator, paying the guys that move the planet. Interesting. Joe, Joe I just saw on your LinkedIn. Oh, wait a second. Joe, I just saw on, on your LinkedIn, you, you posted that more than 50% of drivers are upset. There's some new survey that you put there. How does something like Truxit increase that happiness? Because we all know that a leading cause of retention is that un unhappiness or lack of retention. 
So I think there's a lot that plays into that. Uh, you know, pay is obviously very important to all drivers out there today. But I think it goes far beyond that. I think, you know, you have to have respect uh, to the driver. You have to have uh, appreciation for the driver. And the driver needs to have a voice in the organization that they're representing. Uh, again, one of the many frustrations that I had when I drove was just that. Uh, pay is obviously very important, but it's not the core of why we have unhappy drivers out there today. Again, back to the empowerment piece that, that Trucks provides, it's literally giving the owner, operator, and drivers out there the ability to take control of their business and run it appropriately without talking to someone that they may never even know or meet making decisions on how they're going to generate revenue. To me, that is just absolutely ridiculous. And so, again, that was the core of why Truxit was built, uh, to, to ensure that and hopefully be able to mitigate uh, some of that unhappiness that the drivers are feeling today. Joe, what are the three divisions? You have? I, I was on your website, and you have an app, a shop, and you have cash. Yep, yep. And so app is what Kevin was alluding to. Cash is going to be really the uh, catalyst for drivers to be able to go out and move money back and forth from their shipments. Shop uh, is a great little uh, division where drivers can actually go out there and general public can actually go out there and purchase uh, all kinds of shirts and, and, and truck accessories and, and things of that nature. We're continuing to evolve the shop. Uh, and cash and app. Uh, we've got some other divisions in the works right now, but uh, we'll just leave it at the three that we do have right now uh, that are really advantageous to the overall uh, revenue-producing avenues for the driver and the shipper. Well, guys, thank you so much for supporting the show, for stopping by, for introducing us to what this does. I hope you all have a, an amazing Thanksgiving. You do the yes, same, Tim. Thank you. You too. Take care, guys. Good guys over there. Truxit is revolutionizing the trucking brokerage industry. Truxit increases carrier pay while reducing shipping costs. Truxit based carriers in two days or less. Truxit reduces deadhead and empty miles. Truxit provides paperless BOL, POD, and payment. Ship for less. Drive for more with Truxit.com. All right, elsewhere. I know a sound that all men love. False. Yeah. No, it's that engine noise. It's that Jake break, honey. <laughs> That is the music. That is the sound of our people right there. That's the sound of our people. Let's talk to one of our people who's in our community over at F3. It was Nate Johnson, founder and CEO at GLS Inc. Nate, you look even uh, you look better in person, even better in person than you do in a little uh, digital square box. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. So uh, good to know. Good to know. Nothing better than hearing Jake Breaks. Nothing better than hearing Jake Breaks. Appreciate you having me on, Dooner. Guys are weird. We find sticks. We like to pick up big sticks. We like the sound of uh, of, of Jake breaks. We don't like to carry umbrellas. We, there's a lot of it, like little weird nuances about um about some of us. Hey, how was F3? Did you have a good time there? I saw you're very social. You're all over the place. You're posting a lot of pictures online. Did you have a good time? Yeah, it was a great time. You know, I, I originally was coming in thinking conference, conference, conference. And then Grace Sharkey posted something out saying, you know, this is a festival, which I took that to heart and, and turned it around and said, let's <laughs> go and celebrate the industry. Let's 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 take it that direction. And so I walked in looking at it from a different 
different angle than that. And I've been to a ton of conferences this year. Uh, I just came in thinking I'm with a ton of friends. I know everyone here. Uh, let's let's take it and look at it as a cap to the end of the the conference season for me. Especially, it was the it is the last event for me for the year, and uh, had a great time. Uh, you know, I, I go uh, to F3 for three particular reasons. Uh, I want to see the rapid fire demos. Uh, I want to uh, build our vendor relationships between uh, GLCS and, and pretty much everyone at F3. And then, you know, any future networking, uh, you know, we're taking a larger social media footprint this year. We, we just started a podcast uh, amongst many other things. So uh, I checked all those boxes and then I was extremely surprised on how much more we were able to accomplish this year. Um, I was I was just so impressed with the, the, the driving community that was there, all the drivers, owner operators, the please advise crew that, that we were introduced to, the energy that they brought, uh, it inspired me, um, taking it to another level on my side. So uh, it's, it's not awkward for me to do that, but uh, it is something that, that I'm excited about and I'm pushing forward with. So, you know, expect to see a lot more of me and GLCS on that level uh, moving forward. Well, Nate, people who may have not have ran into you on the floor or to them, GLCS is, is just a logo they're seeing for the first time. What, what's the company? What do y'all do? Sure. Well, we have three pillars, we call them. Uh, really, pil pillars or divisions. We're a management technology consultancy. We do managed services, so manage IT, application managed services for uh, only transportation logistics providers. And then we also do uh, complex integrations for transportation logistics, so lots of driver workflow, uh, visibility platforms, that type of thing. Very interesting. So you get a lot of experience with carrier and broker relations. And, you know, I look at our Freightways pricing power index and whenever that needle is at like 30 percent and lower or 70 percent and higher, you got high contention on either side. What do you have a couple tips for us on how to navigate that in this market right now and set ourselves up maybe for some victories in 2024? Right. So broker carrier tensions is something of a platform, you know, we've been working on. I know you've had uh, uh, Dan Lindsay and, and Trey Griggs on the show talking about the broker carrier summit. That's something I'm involved in, uh, something that a lot of us are championing right now. And it, it, it's it's a, a, a industry topic that we've been working with. I've been in the industry 28 years uh, I've, I've not always been a consultant. I've, I've been an operator. I've run trucking companies. I've run brokerages. And uh, this is not anything new to the industry. I think it's getting louder as social media becomes more present, as the spot market becomes present, as products like sonar and green screens are, are, are shedding a, a large spotlight on, on spot market pricing. Also, throughout the pandemic, we had so many companies come into the industry that are simply only running spot market freight, and they really don't have sales teams, so they're they're working only on spot market freight, and that created this huge tension with with so many extra trucks that have flooded the the industry right now. So the broker carrier tension is at a, a all time high right now, where it may not have been previously, even though it it's existed my entire career. So that being said, you know, building relationships with the people that you work with, um, you know, as much as I, I say, stay off the spot market, that is truly, 
your goal as an operator, as a small company, is building that relationship and trying to stay off of the spot market as much as possible. It's going to benefit you from uh, many, many different angles. So, you know, uh, contracted rates, not necessarily contracted rate, but the negotiating rates, negotiating your detention, that type of thing. So, Nate, though, you mentioned truckers, and and I know that the trucking bloodbath's a thing, but the the other bigger storyline is what's going on with brokerages. Two out of three since 2019 that have been formed have gone out of business. Now, you know, I always try to preface this by saying that it's almost like authorities. That can mean a lot, like a a brokerage, but still it's a giant, giant number. What are you hearing from your broker partners? Are they running nervous? I know a lot of the tech-enabled ones are from conversations I've had at F3 uh, and just from obviously being in this seat and understanding what's going on. Going on. Well, if you're established and you have great customer relationships, that's one thing. I think a lot of people have come in to the industry in the last few years because it was so dynamic. We couldn't move any freight. There was excess freight. So many people entered the industry not knowing really or not having the talent that they necessarily needed to do. Additionally, a lot of carriers came into the industry with brokerage authority, and I think they've exited the industry too. So so we're seeing some of those metrics as carriers leaving the industry with their brokerage authority as well. But, you know, it's a hard business. I've talked to many people who have have started a brokerage authority through the Brokerage Carrier Summit that, you know, they've never moved a load before in their life and they're learning how to do that. So how many people actually were through the pandemic were seeing all this freight being moved, all the money to be made potentially, and said, I'm gonna go out and and start a freight brokerage. But how many of those 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 authorities were created and never actually moved a load? I don't think we have data on that, but I would imagine a substantial amount of them never moved any freight at all. What is your what's your number one tip? So let's say I'm one of those brokers or I'm I'm a truck driver came in. I came in when the spot market was good 2020 through uh, a little bit of 2022. And now it's completely flipped and I'm back where normally you need contract relationships. How do I move to that? What's my first step? First step is is quit running everywhere. So as far as if you're a driver, if you're a single owner operator, have a couple of trucks, do not run anywhere and everywhere. Find lanes that that are uh, the right amount of utilization of your truck. If you like running 550 miles a day, then look at 550 miles, 1100 miles, that type of thing, and uh, figure out where that operates for you based on your domicile and uh, build relationships with brokers in that space. If you can find shippers, that's the ideal spot. But the, you know, in studying the owner operator, uh, the way that, that I have, I used to be an owner operator. I started driving uh, back in the mid nineties. Uh, that's how I got into the industry. So so I understand the point, and I've owned my own trucking company as well. Uh, so I understand the the battle uh, firsthand. But the 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 main point is lane saturation. Whether you have one truck or five trucks or five hundred trucks, these are all things that we tell our customers. But from a single truck operator, stay in your lane, develop relationships in your lane, work with the same people in your lane. Your revenue will go up. Your operating will go up. You'll understand how to control your costs. Uh, not if you're a single owner operator, a five truck fleet, whatever the case may be. Uh, not only should you be worried about top line revenue, but your job is to control every cost that you have and lower it as much as you possibly can as well. If you operate within a single lane or multiple 
lanes, call it two, three, you can do that. If you go to kingdom come, you are now creating variables that you don't always understand and and that that increase your costs. Good enough. I like it. How do people reach out and find you to talk more? Sure. GLCS.net. My email address is njohnson at glcs.net. Go connect with him. Have a great weekend. Have a great Thanksgiving. I appreciate the time, Dooner. We'll catch you next time. Take care. All right. Speaking of Thanksgiving, you guys are going to get holiday shopping soon. In fact, they they say this is going to have a long tail, and that's kind of what's hurting things like Black Friday and whatnot. They said people are doing some of their shopping a little bit earlier, and they're going to be doing it later, but they're getting less for their dollars. But if you want to get something really awesome for your dollars, I suggest this. This is the endless Rickroll Christmas card. When you open it... It will play non-stop until the battery dies, but the tab is still in the card. So the trick is you sign the card and then pull the tab out. So technically how we built it and why we built it this way, you'll see the tab on the outside because you sign the card, put it into the envelope, right? Like so. See, then that tab's gonna activate it, but it won't go off until you open it. It's always tricky to do backwards. And once it's in there, and then you take the tab out. Now Rick Astley is armed. You seal it, and then you send it to your friend or give it to your friend. It is thick. It's a thick card, so when you mail it, at least two stamps, but they might charge you more. It is up to your post office and where it's going. Ultimately, once you give it to your friend, and they open it like this, and they open the card. Oh, my goodness. They open the card. It will then play nonstop until the battery dies. You can't turn off. (laughs) but there's a catch too (laughs) okay if they break it we did hide glitter in the card so i'm getting one of these for everyone on my christmas list you can't disarm if you rip it apart it just puts glitter everywhere amazing that's some awesome technology speaking of technology let's talk about some truck tech let's talk to gail camel and dress and we have a, I, I believe, I'm going to let this man introduce himself because I, I believe that this is a, uh, this is almost a Bloodlines episode. You two may be married if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Is that true, Paul? <laughs> we would be. That's right. I think we are. Are we still there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Almost 34 yeah. years. Yeah. I've heard a lot about Dooner, okay? I hear about Dooner every day. Oh, I say, who's this guy, Dooner? He has, <laughs> reputation precedes you, and I'm very honored to be on the show. It's really I'm not very kind of you. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what happened? So I was I was at F3 and I ran into Gail over there. And, and whenever I see Gail, I always run up and say hi. She's always got such a friendly smile. And she's like, look, yeah, look, look, we've been doing some new stuff with Truxdale. And you got to talk to Paul. He did all the testing on this. And he's going to fill you guys in. You'll learn everything you ever want to know about truck sales. And I said, you know, we haven't been, you haven't been on in a couple of years. We definitely need to talk about truck sales again. I need a refresher. And I guess the best place to start for those who don't know is what is truck sale? So basically our overall... Uh, you know, initial objective was to take, you know, the, the super truck has been uh, a real success. Volvo did some fabulous work and showed amazing uh, what can be done with aero if, you know, in the limit in a perfect world. So our objective was to take that uh, target and see if we could make something work in the real world, given all the real life barriers to operating, you know, aerodynamics at that level, at a complete level, absolutely taking every bit of fuel you can take off that truck because it's substantial. The, the, the fuel, if you 
you know, over time, it's, it pays dividends. It's, if you run the numbers, it's um, a lot of, you know, money in the wind, basically. So we addressed all the kind of uh, physical barriers like the hump clearance issues with the skirts and the doors and the, uh, the boat tail, for example. The doors can't be bound. You can't let them, you know, crack open at all or else you can't park a trailer next door to it at the next gate. So these things are not easy to do. And we kind of went through quite a few iterations to get something that, uh, in you know, can actually accomplish all of that. So the... You know, the, the key thing is, though, you know, you can't you can't have something which is non-durable. It has to be, you know, solid and stable and full size in the wind and the crosswinds. You can't have it shaking and vibrating. And yet, when you come to a slow speed scenario like a dock or a, um, a railway track, it has to be out of the way, not taking contact. That's the key to durability. Avoiding contact material. Paul, we saw kind of one of those one of those moving. What what goes on? Like, what is the what is the system? What is that thing on the back of the truck? That's that's the sail, of course. But like, how does that's a boat, that's a boat tail? That's a, that's a boat tail. Okay. So um, a boat tail on a on a long trailer is four and a half percent if full sized. On a shorter truck, uh, it's up to ten percent. A skirt, the one you see right there, is six percent, but it can easily be made into ten percent with some aft extensions into the wheel bogey domain. And we have a sort of proprietary uh, last resort safety guard, full length, lightweight, that can anchor some extended panels out the back and then you're at 10%. So you really are getting everything that can be taken, but oh, we you, you can't do that unless the thing can last and you know over time operate you know without any driver interference and maintenance issues and such. So the key is with it basically is kind of has a ram air stabilization. So when you're in the wind and the crosswinds are heavy, it's solid. It's like rock solid. Doesn't shake, doesn't vibrate, right? Low to the road, takes all the fuel. And yet when you come to a situation where we can't have that because we have to drive over railway tracks and we can't have to dock this thing and we can't still slow down and screw around, it automatically retracts. The boat tail retracts flat. The skirt goes up. To a very high level, the high, high, high enough to not ever hit railway tracks or docks, and it opens up with the doors. The driver does nothing; just open the doors, and because it's a sort of a self-contained structure, the entire thing slides out of the way of the pinch point of the doors, which is very hard to, to accomplish with a salt, you know, a stable structure yet light enough, you know, to do this. So it. Um, it solves that kind of critical barrier, which has been out there to, you know, to allow a boat tail to actually not interfere with the docking. Um, Let me ask you how long like, you mentioned the durability. So I imagine you've done a lot of testing on this. How long has this been in development for? And, and what was the hardest challenge to overcome of, of designing these? Well, the, the recognition that you really have to have automatic function. That is the key to allowing these things to last, you know, a five or 10 year lifespan. It's materials choice. It's avoiding contact. It can take some contact, but in that it's soft when it's slow, it's like, you know, it's very compliant. You could back your car into it and nothing happens. It, any automotive body is somewhat fragile, but this thing will take, if you think of it more like a punching bag or a, a Kevlar vest, you know, fabric can be extremely tolerant if it's, uh, you know, if it's put in the right environment, 
like the right the right fabric for the right environment. So the notion that it's um, sort of uh, vulnerable to being damaged, we, we just said don't, don't have it contacted. And if it is contacted, it's a very compliant, gentle, you know, non-damaging kind of contact. You get damage with vibration from wind, from forceful contact, like, you know, any skirt that's kind of constantly being bent at the, at the dock over and over time, it gets warped, it gets bacon, it looks lousy, and it's not even, it's not even full size. You're losing a, a lot of fuel. Every 1% of fuel uh, over a year, 100,000 miles, let's say, and 10 miles a gallon to be generous, it's 400 bucks. So if you're kind of retrieving, you know, five, six, seven percent more fuel, which is there to be taken in the gap, the skirt, the tail, you do it all up perfectly. And there's a lot of, of unharvested fuel. And it amounts to many thousands over five years, even like 6% more, you're going to have 12,000 more dollars that would blow in the wind otherwise. So that's just the fuel part of it. Um, we also then, because it became a kind of, it kind of flowed, we just kind of, uh, you know, followed our instincts here. And we realized these devices can be radomes. They are perfect radomes. They protect radar. If you want to put a radar under a trailer, like in a very dangerous place before the in front of the wheel bogey, for example, for street safety, um, you can't really expose it to all the snow and ice and crap that's flying around in there, particle storm all day long. You have to protect it. So we have the perfect kind of platform to put any sort of, you know, safety tech thing, like for example, radar, which will be kept clean and not. And the, the surface of the the skirt essentially is a a de-icing, a self-de-icing cover. So it's protecting the underside of the trailer and it's protecting any tech stuff inside of there to keep it reliable over time. And then we kind of uh, said, okay, well, what else can we do here? So we can put all kinds of very effective and highly like modifiable safety lighting. Now, this is kind of controversial and people say, well, is lighting distracting in that domain? Well, it's in a place where it's a very, a very dangerous location. Uh, nobody would argue that, I don't think. And putting lighting, some form of lighting, it's a kind of a, it's kind of a, a frosted bulb. We have a frosted bulb, so we can light the whole thing up to varying levels, and you know, suitable ones can be chosen. And we can put strips like amber strips along the rails on the inside, protected, very reliable, and it's a very, very effective and pleasing, you know, aesthetically, and also just it provides safety in, in a streetscape scenario where people are coming near cyclists, pedestrians are coming near uh, a moving trailer, um, lighting, and then perhaps a radar uh, a radar triggered sound or yeah. lighting. If we've tried this out, we put in some radar and we you know, walk towards it and then it goes different lighting effects go off or noises could go off. So it's, um, this is like the safety element can it was a secondary mission we got into. Um, that uh, really is, it's becoming very much more. Well, let, let me ask you. Let, let me ask you something. Light, lights, lights are cool, but what, like, what are the real world results? Like, what kind of like fuel economy are, are, am I saving with this? What kind of drag am I reducing? Like, how do you test this? I think we have that wind chart too. Okay, so, show that so the wind okay, here's a very, 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 you raised like a crucial element here, right here. So here's how you know whether something works because there's a lot of, you know, people put uh, numbers out there on their devices, all kinds of plastic parts that have numbers attached to them. The only way you really know the truth, and it's, it's, it's important to know because there's a lot of money in that 1% or 2% more, it's like a big difference to your bottom line. So you should be told the truth. The truth is held, really, here it is, the wind tunnel. So this just shows a baseline truck, the black top thing. You put that truck into some wind, and the drag goes up dramatically. 
And this is not only the fuel cost to this, but the tractor trailer lifespan cost of this is compounding that that value. So then, what what is the real truth? What do you want to know for any device? Well, I put a line here between the boat tail, sorry, the baseline and the full treatment, gap skirt and tail. And you can see that and, and it's, at, it's at five degrees of yaw. That is the, the basic truth. I mean, if people want to run the truck in a, a test track and they get, you know, a certain number, well, how, what was the wind that day? Because that can dramatically affect your outcome. Uh, it isn't, the truth is really what is the wind averaged result? Because that's your long haul average. That's what you really want to know. Not what one day on the track gave us. And this is where this is mis- misleading. Whether the wind is high or low, it's going to be off the actual long haul average, which is the truth. So you can see that in about five, five degrees of yaw, this five number here on the yaw angle, that's approximately what an average scenario is. You know, five miles an hour across the road, that's average overall, you know, going all around the countryside. The, the computer calculates sort of wind frequencies and what is the yaw at that, and then what is the outcome in terms of what is the average drag reduction? So it's, what is it, 26%. With those three things all done up, you know, to the to the hilt. Um, so that that converts to approximately half of the drag at highway speed with a full, fully loaded trailer yeah. is arrow. So that, 20, that 26 is 13 then on fuel. Fuel savings. Fuel savings, that's right. right. Very cool. Gail, um, how, mu- how much does it cost me? If Are you selling these right now? How much does it cost me if I want to put one on my truck? Well, we're at the point. That's a good question. We're at the point now of, of looking for investors to to help us get it to market. Um, one of the things Paul hasn't mentioned yet was that we've got an ad tech component um, as yeah, well. Yeah, let me address that. That's actually a good point. So that addresses, that helps so, to the, address the cost. So in the context of safety lighting, uh, you know, very like, let's say, effective and well-placed and appropriately placed safety lighting in, in front of dangerous things like the wheel bogey or that the tail, the safety lighting is there for that purpose. It, it alerts, you know, it alerts anybody to something that's close and dangerous. Now we could easily, um, because the, you know, it, no matter what the form of the lighting, even if it's just amber strips, that's just conventional and, you know, legal conventional strips, um, we can illuminate an image very nicely, a backlit, sort of uh, very, very conspicuous, very, very effective third-party, uh, you know, presentation. Like it can be a, let's say you want to promote American, American brands uh, or brands that you, you are you are driving for, um, or anybody for that matter. Uh, it becomes like a very lucrative potential to, sort of, um, you know, a marketing, a mobile marketing uh, platform. And the revenue one could generate from that, and we can do this in a very, a very kind of interchangeable and, and you know, classy way because the, the device is stable. It's not shape altered by contact all the time. It looks good. It can be kept looking good over time. So it's a very nice place to put a to promote. You know, um, basically the sponsorship. It's a sponsorship of safety and and fuel economy. The sponsor is kind of promoting sort of the functional, useful, useful functional elements to the whole platform and their own brand as a sponsor of that. Very cool. So, Guys, unfortunately, so unfortunately you, I'm running out of time, but let's tell investors where they can where they can go find this. Gail, where do investors go? Um, they can go to uh, my my email address is gail at trucksale.com or Paul and I are both on LinkedIn 
or mm-hmm. uh, DM me on Twitter. Uh, and uh, you can even even pick up the phone and, and call us uh, through um, through the uh, www.trucksale.com website. There's information there. Very cool. Thanks hey, very thank much. you guys. Have an amazing Thanksgiving. Take care. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us on. Bye-bye. Take it easy. All right, everybody. It's, it's uh, Friday. It's a little good news, bad news before I send Justin Martin, we're pulling more people, more of them over here day by day. But yeah, vast majority of C Suite hangs out on LinkedIn. Yeah, you should be on both, Justin. Why are you pulling everyone on LinkedIn? I hate when people do that. Like, if you're on LinkedIn, don't like post like an X link, right? Like, convert the content to LinkedIn. If you're on Twitter, don't post a link to your LinkedIn on Twitter. Convert the content over there. Be where the ball is. Let people be where they are. All right. All right. Get on that, Justin. All right, a little ranger danger over here. Take a look at this. A little rate strap work. Mother son of a gun. Mother fart ranger. So you might be big and shit, but you ain't no fart ranger. Fart ranger. Mother son of a gun. Mother <laughs> Ordy Bob says there's a dumpster fire. David Newell says send it. Croy says 10 out of 10 if he keeps uh, under 30 and even slower on those turns. Rip those axles, though. John says everyone's got to start somewhere with hotshot equipment. Can't be blowing money on new dualies. Joseph Middleton, the danger ranger strikes again. And Andrew, <laughs> Andrew Sazmik, ranger danger. All right. Speaking of Justin, this guy kind of reminds me of him in this clip. Look at this. You're sitting on the bus, enjoying your water. Not a care in the world when a human being comes flying right through. Look at that guy. Look, and look at the guy with the water. He doesn't even he doesn't he doesn't even react until he's done sipping. It's like his brain can only process one thing at one time. And the water had like kept that functions tied up. I'm not sure what happened to this person, where they came from. I hope they're okay. I hope they'll be at Thanksgiving. Not mine. F1 coming to Vegas. Last time I was in Vegas was for a conference uh, earlier this year, and it was a nightmare. It was it was manifest, which was a good conference, but like I hated going to Vegas. It was over three hours to wait for a cab or Uber at the airport. Now they're trying to do F1 over there, and here's how it's going. ABC News says F1's off to a rough start in Las Vegas. Fans told to leave before practice ends at 4 a.m. Practice for the Las Vegas Grand Prix was halted after less than 21 minutes after someone ran over a manhole cover. And they said, hey, well, okay, we'll get this back up and running. But then they were like, hey, our cars are getting destroyed. we got to fill all these manhole covers up. So they had to spend a ton of time pouring concrete inside the, uh, the water ducts and manhole covers so more F1 cars don't hit them. God bless you, anyone who's stuck in there. I'm sitting there, like, who wants to hear fast cars driving by? We're trying to enjoy a good meal. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe people like the noise. Maybe they like getting doinked. Check a look at this guy. Boom. We got audio on this? Ooh. We got to hear them doing. Ooh, yeah. What's Boom. Boom. <laughs> air, air, air Dog HD. How many mirrors? Just another Jersey girl. Reminds me of the jerk kid who decides to stand up and start walking around smacking random people in the back of the head because he's bored with life and wants a trip to the principal's office. Already Bob, a lot of ticked off people. Joe Graham says, uh, I mean... Wouldn't you have heard that thing or at least check your mirrors once during that time? I'd assume. Sticky the Ghost says, good game, good game, good game. Like the end of Little League, just patting guys on the on the back of the uh, back of the butt. And Kata Fedora says, hey, George, how much did you pay for the new? How does this guy not notice this? Some people were saying, oh, the guy filming should have, like, stopped this guy and honked at him. But, like, would that have even worked? He's smacking every vehicle he drives past and doesn't seem to notice. 
Like this doesn't dawn on him at all. I'm not, I don't know if I'm gonna blame the dash camera. I think I'm gonna blame the guy with the pool noodle hanging out the side, whacking everybody. Thank you for joining us for What the Truck. Have a great weekend. We will be back on Monday. You can find this show wherever you get your podcast. Just look up What the Truck for the audio version. For the YouTube version, go to Freakway's YouTube page, the entire What the Truck playlist with all 654 episodes. You can find uh, the show at FW What the Truck on TikTok and all around the internet. And you can find me at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Take care. Have a great weekend.